0: All the agents Mm. are like, oh, you know, how do you get someone to, you know, buy or sell a house? And I'm like thinking Mm. to myself you don't get someone to buy or sell a house like that's yeah. like the most expensive transaction someone's ever going to do mm. and
1: that's a profession which makes you a people's man that makes you build rapport and makes you network with more people so yes. that that skill can help you throughout the life
0: i also saw a lot of people that would jump in full time right off the bat with that were newbies beginners mm. and you could like sense the anxiety to close a sale yeah and i'm like that's going to rub off from your clients and that's going to rub people off the wrong way and And honestly, that's why I feel like our industry gets a really bad reputation.
1: Hi guys, welcome back to the Realtors Chat Show with Rohan. This is our second episode and today's guest is like one of my favorite people in America and like he's like my dearest friend in America and like we have this great (laughs) bond together. His name is Mauricio Rezende and I'm- Hey everyone. Yeah, hi Mauricio, so glad to have you on the show.
0: Hey Rohan, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, yeah.
1: So today we are going to talk about something about your real estate career, something before what happened before real estate and about your childhood, about your teenage, apart from uh, the negotiations and the listings and the closings, there are a lot of things in the back end, behind the scenes in a realtor's life. So let's start off with your childhood. I'm really oh, excited. <laughs> so tell me something about yourself. Tell our audience about yourself. Introduce yourself.
0: Sure, sure. Okay, so my name is Mauricio Resendite. And thank you, Rohan, again, for having me here. Mm-hmm. Um, I currently serve the Orlando, Florida area here. And I've been in Florida most of my life. I was born in Philadelphia. And uh, I only stayed there until I was about five years old, where I moved to South Florida, Boca, and Deerfield area. And I was there until about 13. And then I moved to Brevard County. I went to high school, Melbourne high school. So go bulldogs if anyone's listening. And and then at that point I moved to um, UCF, uh, Orlando to go to UCF University, Central Florida, where I got my bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary studies. Or no, I'm sorry, man, it's been so long. Um, Political science and uh, international studies to be specific. And I have never used that degree. So so that's uh, kind of a little bit of where I, you know, where I am and, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, my child, I kind of—I guess I kind of glossed over my childhood. I mean, I had—I had a good childhood. I had a lot of friends, and you know, played around. We uh, we played uh, manhunt a lot back in the day. Uh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> let's see here. Um, well, we we had a lot of you know N64 parties. Played some Mario. <laughs> <You> know,
1: <laughs>
0: a, a decent childhood. You know, no,
1: no complaints here. So. Oh. Okay. Tell me something about your like high school band. You were telling about
0: oh okay
1: for this podcast so i would like to bring it over here uh what was your band experience and what was your role inside the band in the high school
0: okay so so a little bit of backstory for the viewers and listeners here um before we started this call me and rohan were talking i saw a guitar in his background so i was like (laughs) oh i didn't know you played so show me some of your skills and he's self-taught he's played a ton there you go (laughs) and uh, so he showed me some of his skills here which is pretty impressive so in high school my parents uh, paid for me to have some lessons. I took lessons for about a year. And then we kind of went off on my own once I could read music and everything. And uh, yeah, so I had uh, had some friends that live close by. We started a a band in high school. (laughs) And uh, we we got to the point where we had about one or two songs ready. And then I, as I was mentioning to you, you know, I had a a date with my my first girlfriend at the time. Hmm. And they told me, you know, let's go have our Let's go do our first show in someone's backyard, yeah. like a, you know, a high school party. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Well, I can't this day because I have a date already set." Yeah. And they said, "Well, uh, you're going, or you're out of the band." So oh. I was out of the band. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, girlfriend I is like much.
1: Yeah, girlfriend is of more priority, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah. My priorities <laughs> in high school were definitely. Yeah. I've never changing, right? So, but we we still remained friends. We, we we still hung out together. Just you know, they they found a different lead guitarist. Is all. Well. Uh, at the time I was, I was pretty good um, but you know I've, I've mm. since lost that skill unfortunately I can play maybe a tenth of what I used to be able to play mm. and uh, right now like I mentioned before I'm trying to learn the piano now that we got a piano at the house and uh, trying to be more classical you know
1: wow let's jam someday, someday together like me with the guitar
0: Absolutely.
1: and I'll do some of your revision with the chords and the strumming pattern and I yeah. would like to take some basic chords lessons about the piano with from you
0: Okay. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> I, if I, if I get enough
1: to teach, I will absolutely. We can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then so let's move, move forward. Um, yeah. what happened after the high school where, where you went after the high school and what was your bachelor's into?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty lucky. I had my senior year in high school, my English teacher, she basically forced me and helped me apply to a scholarship in Florida. Um, for most Floridians, it's called the Bright Future Scholarship. They get them from like the lottery proceeds. Um, and so I was able to get essentially um, like 99% of my associates paid for. Um, so I, but only because I went to community college. Had I gone to a university from the start, it mm-hmm. wouldn't have been that great. So two years I went to community college. At the time, it was called Brevard Community College. Now it's called Eastern University. Uh-huh. Um, and I got my associates there just in general. And then from there, I did a direct transfer to UCF. And uh, Mm. my girlfriend at the time was interested in the military. So we went to the Air Force ROTC program at UCF, which Mm. I loved. Um, But uh, around that time, we were having like the recession. And so uh, they ended up, uh, you know, out of 210 cadets in that ROTC program, I think about 21 actually made it because of all the budget cuts. Yeah. So okay. And I wasn't working at the time, but I had to because uh, all I had was my my scholarship funds. So the the program required a lot of um, volunteering as well to help, you know. Hmm. So I, I I didn't feel like I was competitive enough. So eventually I withdrew from the program, but got a great letter of recommendation, made some lifetime friends that I still talk to till this day. Wow. And uh, it was a great experience. Absolutely.
1: Awesome. So, yeah. so awesome, awesome. <laughs> like a lot of things like happened when you were just 20, 21.
0: yeah yeah i took my time at at university i I probably spent about five years once i transferred to ucf so okay (laughs) okay rangers once or twice so
1: Hmm. so what was your first job like what was your first job like looking like
0: yeah my first job was actually when i was 15 i um we had um some friends that opened up a atlanta bread it's kind of like a panera bread but they're i don't think they're as popular i don't even Mm -hmm. know if they're still around but um I just, I, they were um, having like a, a training day and I showed up to the training day because I had some friends that were already hired and I came hmm. uh, to fill the application and the lady was walking around giving all the newly hireds, you know, their little welcome packet hmm. and hmm. training docs. And she was like, oh, what's your name, honey? And I was like, oh, I, I haven't gotten hired yet. I'm just uh, filling out my application right now. And she just took the application. She was like, you're, if you're here, you're hired. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> I got pretty lucky. And out uh, of everyone there, I was the only one that was still there within a year because uh, people left and moved on. And I was, it yeah. was a basic job. I was just a bus boy. I did the dishes, cleaned the tables. Um, mm. But I was, I'm proud to say that I'm the only dish boy that ever got tips. Because, wow. uh, you know, people, awesome. I guess, thought I was so friendly and, uh, you know, i yeah. compliment people. And I wasn't trying to do it to get a tip. I didn't even think about it. But like one example, mm. I saw this guy that had a really nice looking hat and I was like, hey, I like your hat. He's like, oh, thanks, man. And when he left, he left me like a $5 tip. And I was like, oh. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, we didn't have servers or anything, so I knew it was for me, you know what I mean? Because that mm. type of restaurant you don't have a server, so yeah, that was interesting. Um, I've realized that you know, hey, you, you'd be genuine and just compliment people, like sometimes, you know, they'll give you something. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if that's like a foreshadowing or you know. yeah,
1: <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. moving on towards like your entrepreneurial journey, like what was your first entrepreneurship venture? Oh man, so,
0: yeah, so my dad always owned his own business, he's he's an accountant, he has about three offices in Florida, and he travels okay. a lot to Brazil, so that yeah. probably had some influence as well, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't really until my college years, when I was working, I had two jobs, I was working for Publix, which is a grocery okay. chain here in, in uh, South America, mm-hmm. or, I'm sorry, South part of North America, right? <laughs> and Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I was working another job for security at the airport. So the airport job was a lot of overnight shifts because of mm. the nature of security there. And yeah. the, um, the the public's job was really more stocking groceries types like things like that. Mm. And I got to the point where it was finals week in college, and I told my, my security job, "Hey, listen, I have I have a finals coming up. I, mm. I can't work this week, and make mm. sure I have it off." Mm-hmm. Now when that week came. We had someone quit. We had someone that got fired, and he needed me because security. If mm. you don't have someone filling a shift, you can get fined up to like ten thousand dollars. So it wasn't oh. his fault, but it really upset me because I let them know ahead of time, mm. and I try to even get coverage. And I don't feel like he really did the most he could. So at that point, mm. I really realized, like, listen, I need to take my own financial freedom into my own hands, and I can't let someone else, you know, control that because I almost failed a semester because of that, and that's yeah. that's money down the drain too, you know. Hmm. so I ended up leaving that job and I just staying with Publix for a while
1: hmm. but
0: uh, um, that supervisor actually got fired later on too because of oh. how he treated his, uh, and then I got rehired at the airport so karma, okay. right?
1: yeah, um, <laughs> karma
0: yeah, so I was at that point I was like, you know what I really don't like, uh, even at that point I had two jobs for that very reason I, I wanted something to fall back on if someone tried to hold too much leverage over me because of that, hmm. like, no, no, no if I told you I'm off, I'm off you don't tell hmm, me to come yeah. in Yeah. so, um at that point, I started looking for other opportunities, other work, and I found um, the event industry. Hmm. In the event industry, it's all on a per job basis, so it's very yeah. entrepreneurial because you have to be able to find the work. And the I, first job I got, I'll never forget. I, I thought I was applying to a regular job. I found this website, I put my application in, and they're like, "Okay, we'll send you some invites or some events." Like, I was like, oh, "Okay, I don't understand <laughs> what's going on." So, uh, you know, that year, December, I think, want to say, 2014. Um, i got an invitation to work uh an event it was just like setting up like Mm. a stage it was actually at UCF. it was their christmas presentation i set it up i got paid like 17 an hour which at that time was amazing for me i was like oh that's really cool okay But it was a one-day thing and that was it i was like okay what happens now (laughs) you know um then like a few weeks later i get another invitation for this a race event they have in sebring florida and I, i worked there for it was like a like almost like a whole week. And that one was 15 bucks an hour, but it was an entire week. So it was a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. I was like, let me do it. Yeah. And when I'm there, I'm with some of the other staff that they hired, this staffing company. And um, some of the other, like more experienced people are like, oh yeah, so what other, you know, event companies are you with? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I had no idea. So basically <laughs> they explained the industry to me. You, you know, you sign up with a bunch of different companies and that's how you're able to get full-time work. So at that point I absorbed like everything, right? Like. Like yeah, we all started turning the entrepreneurship. So I'm like, okay, every single event I work, I talked to everyone. I made sure I was always like at least half an hour early stay wow. like offered to stay late for it without any pay. And I got booked on the tons of stuff. Like I got, I went full time, like, like that. Um, wow.
1: And within Net- like, I say, so, like, so important, like networking is so, so important in the events industry.
0: Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people like, would go up to these events and then like if we needed to stay longer to help clean up and stuff, mm. they would just leave or, or say like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm a model or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding yeah. me? Like, no. Mm. So those people would to get work again. I get called in and eventually I end up being their managers on future jobs because, you know, I got <laughs> right. I such a good rapport with mm. all these like staffing managers, tour managers and stuff. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a couple of times when, um, you know, when I was working like a 24 hours straight, through an entire event like in this specific Ah. case it'd be like the rolex 24 Mm -hmm. and one of the tour managers like hey man if you need to like go take a nap in the in the back and like they had these bunk beds and the semi-truck and like they just handed me the keys and like for that amount of trust you know it really shows that like hey i had built really good and i got future jobs
1: dedication was like 100 percent
0: yeah. Yeah. So my main thing was like, I, I always wanted to, you know, I'd show up early, stay late if I needed to offer always the help. I, I don't care if I got paid or not at that point, you know, I got my shifts, you know, like, mm. and sometimes I would get paid, sometimes I wouldn't, but I'd get future jobs, you know, and that I ended up actually getting a job touring the U.S. with Chevy um, for about two years, which was a blast. That that was like mm. one of the most fun jobs I had and I don't regret it. So. Hmm. That was really the entrepreneurial stuff. To make a short answer long, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because it really required you to have to, you know, once a job is done, the job is done. Right, it's a separate yeah. event, different brand, so you have to really keep going back and looking and like staffing out your mm. calendar here, and then keeping track of who's paid you or not, right yeah. off your miles, you know, all of your expenses, things like that. So it really became its own business, you know. Um, exactly.
1: And that's a profession which makes you a people's man that makes you build rapport and makes you network with more people so that that skill can help you throughout the life
0: yeah that's what i loved about it is because every every job was completely different no it wasn't like being at Publix or security where everything is Mm. the same day same thing you're doing every time Mm. um and i love that it was always something different and that's what kind of kept me excited because i get bored easy i'm not gonna lie uh, (laughs) same thing every day like oh man that's why i like real estate because real estate you know it doesn't matter yeah you're you're buying selling houses but every client has different needs exactly every client's looking for something different Mm. you're looking at different parts of town you know townhomes houses Mm. condos new construction like i love it Mm. because it's always it's never the same thing twice
1: awesome so you are a part-time agent right now since how long
0: Yeah, so this is my, I'm going into my third year here. I started okay. in 2018, 2017. I can't remember the exact year. I, I can't do math right now either, apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, this is my third year going into it. And I started part-time mm-hmm. and really what I noticed when I first started is like where I started, oh, we're getting our training, all the agents are mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, how do you get someone to, you know, buy or sell a house? And I'm like thinking mm-hmm. to myself, you don't get someone to buy or sell a house like that's yeah. like the most expensive transaction someone's ever going to do mm, exactly what you need to do is market yourself and be knowledgeable and be looking for the people that are ready
1: essentially mm. you know
0: what i mean like you don't you're not going to convince someone that's not ready to buy a house i mean exactly yeah i haven't seen someone with that kind of skill set The people that normally get convinced are we're already on the edge you know what i mean yeah um so So, and and I also saw a lot of people that would jump in full-time right off the bat with that were newbies, Mm -hmm. beginners, Mm -hmm. and you could like sense the anxiety to close a sale. Yeah. I'm like, that's going to rub off on your clients and that's going to rub people off the wrong way. And, and honestly, that's why our, I feel like our industry gets a really bad reputation. Like realtors are known as like used car salesmen, you know, there's Mm -hmm. like, they, they are viewed so poorly. And like most, a lot of people don't feel like they even work for their commission. You know what I mean? Oh. So mm. my main thing was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm willing to wait and go part-time and go slow because I want to make sure one, I get all the education I need and I don't feel pressured to make a sale. So that way I can make sure I service my customers at a hundred percent. And mm. all my clients have been happy clients. And a lot of them have sent me repeat
1: business. So awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Man. What are all the things like that you have learned in these three years, the th- three major things that you would like to share if someone is starting out right now in 2021
0: oh man so for this year specifically um you know when 2020 hit you know we had the shutdowns back in march and april Mm. and we were kind of worried i had an active listing at the time Mm. and uh you know i was worried about anything (laughs) even selling but um after about april i think everyone knows that things took off low interest rates have driven people to the market and that's Mm. driven prices up because interest rates are so low um, so one of the major things, in fact, I did a video, uh, that'll be on my YouTube channel later on, yeah. um, really about like how you can be more competitive in this market. Cause we see a lot of, a lot of people putting the, uh, multiple offers on the same house. So you'll get one ho- house and it'll be 10, 15, sometimes 20 offers on a home. Yeah, got it. Um, and you know, houses aren't going to, houses are appraisers are starting to crack down mm. on how much they're appraising the value. And so they're com- you're seeing buyers having to bring money out of pocket to help mm. with the closing, make exactly. sure they close on time. So what I recommend people right now is really if you're if you have a budget, say 300,000 is your top of your budget, maybe look around the houses around 270, 275, maybe even 280. Um, just to make sure you have that wiggle room if you're gonna put an offer in. Um, mm. just because it's gonna really help, you know, so you don't get disappointed, your expectations don't get done. Cause I hate for people to love fall in love with the house and they don't get it because someone else bid on a $300,000 home, three hundred and twenty. Because you are seeing that happen, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Um, the other thing I recommend is I've been focusing a lot more on new construction because on new construction, once you put a contract in, you're not bidding over the same contract. Exactly. You know, hmm. there's not going to be a lot of competitive bids. You get to kind of customize your home, um, you know, the way you want it, and hopefully in the area you want is if you find a community in the right spot. Hmm. And, um, you know, you're not having to bid with other people. now just keep in mind, with new construction, you're not going to have a lot of wiggle room right now for negotiations. So Mm. a lot of people want to go in and and try to treat new construction like it's a resale. You can't really (laughs) negotiate new construction, especially right now when they know there's so many people wanting to buy. Yeah. Uh, And inventory
1: is is also low. You have to.
0: Yeah. So you you might be able to get some concessions if you use their lender and their title company, you might get some off closing, but you're not going to negotiate them down the price. I had a client Mm. that actually tried that and then they end up coming back and having to pay a little bit more because the home mm. that they wanted actually got sold in that time frame <laughs> so oh. um, you yeah know, yeah that's something to consider so mm. new construction i'd say don't try to negotiate too much you know it's not in this market currently right if the market changes then okay yeah. um be you know be willing to look a little bit under your budget so you have some logo room And then the third and probably the most important, have a pre-approval letter already ready. Yeah, Mm.
1: and the the proof of cash and the proof of, yeah. yeah. Mm.
0: Exactly. If you're you're paying cash, have the proof of funds. But Mm. if you're using a lender, you know, make sure you have a good lender. If you don't, your realtor can recommend you one or should be able to. Um, In fact, when I'm interviewing Mm. um, lenders to recommend my clients now, it's something I ask, you know, how quick are you closing deals? Mm. Because a lot of them are overwhelmed and they're not closing on time. Yeah. how cool. um what kind of proof you know funds or pre-approval that i do you have because i just spoke with london right now where he um makes sure he verifies not just verbally mm. but he actually confirms the credit the income to debt mm. ratio and yeah. he goes in and checks the employment as well all mm. in the pre-approval and it says that there that's all been not just verbally confirmed but it's been hard confirmed and he'll actually call the listing agent with the um, buyer's permission and let them know hey mm. this person's very well qualified we're very oh. confident that goes a long way when you have a lot of yeah first rates. Um, we're certain we can close in x amount of days or whatever sometimes even earlier if you find a lender that can close earlier even better
1: so mm.
0: so, so th- those are my three recommendations
1: <laughs> that was a golden nugget for them three golden so. nuggets yeah, yeah. <laughs> so right now generating leads is never an issue everyone knows like you get leads everywhere even from Zillow, yeah. you get shared leads from Zillow. I know Zillow leads are not like that preferred these days, but people go for those leads. Ultimately, yes. those leads don't convert so easily. Zillow leads because Zillow is selling those leads to 10 other realtors as well in the same zip code. So yeah. the, the the person who calls the leads, the very first is the one who is getting the business. Yep. In the status, We have seen it statistically, but the main point is how can you generate exclusive leads? pre-market leads and that's the power of social media or even google but here's the thing about the google leads there's a huge huge competitive landscape on google right now because for example um, i want a house Uh i'm going on google Uh, a three-bedroom apartment in orlando for example okay sure i got a couple of links google ad links Uh, For example, few realtors are very smart. They're running Google ads and they got uh, their listings. They got their um, links, their landing pages on the the top of the results above the SEO results. Okay. So that person is going over there and filling the information, email ID and contact number as well as the requirement. And they're filling this small generic form. And then they're bouncing off from that particular link. And then they can see the major SEO players over there realtor.com and Zillow they are going over there and they're searching for listings and they're submitting the same information over there and Zillow is selling that information to 10 other realtors in the same area yeah it's not over yet they are going back and then they are visiting the realtor as well realtor.com they're submitting the same information that same lead is being shared so if there's an agent on
0: Zillow or realtor and they're tired of waiting they'll even call that agent you know exactly yeah
1: So in this way that one lead is being captured and surrounded by so many realtors because he has that buyer's intent yeah on the other hand if you could generate leads on facebook which gives you a lead for one dollar or like 77 cents sometimes or max to max the upper limit these days is five dollars in the worst case scenario you get these quality leads and those people are like scrolling their social media and then they see your ad and that interest has been created right now. They yeah. don't have the buyer's intent right now, but they got interested inside into that house, into that listing. So once they are submitting their information, then they can be retargeted, they can be nurtured throughout the year. And then whenever they are ready to convert, they do convert. Yeah. And you are yeah, the, the only point of contact. Yeah. Conversion rate is, uh, we don't say like conversion rate is very high. Out of 100 Facebook leads, we can see two in the worst case scenario is the conversion rate.
0: That's still really good for people that don't know real, real estate world. That's good. conversion
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. If you're spending 500 bucks, you are getting 100 leads and out of 100 leads, um, what we do is we don't um, throw those leads on a Google sheet. We use our own proprietary system to convert those leads, to nurture those leads, call those leads using the inside sales agent team, ISA. Yep. have been doing this thing since 10 years like they are very like huge lots of experience in building rapport in real estate they call them and then they make them book the appointment with the realtor
0: and that's key that is that is
1: important so the realtors are generating leads these days 95 percent realtors are generating leads everyone needs yeah but there's a limit actually the number of calls you can make cheers Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. <laughs> no, there absolutely is. Mm. The number of calls you can make in a day. For example, yeah. you got, um, 50 leads throughout this month. You are calling each and every lead. And if you're lucky enough, you're booking appointments as well. Also managing your showings, also managing your paperwork. Yeah. Doing like 10 tasks per day. And then you booked five appointments, for example. Then what is happening to the rest of the 45 appointments? up leads yes. what's happening yes, to the rest of the Leads missed opportunities because you can't email them personally you can't take care of the email drip campaigns personally because you're the one talking on the phone with them you're the one showing them the houses you're the one handling the uh, capital paperwork you're the one like showing up in the brokerage telling uh, about your day about your listings about your experiences with the clients so, how many tasks a particular realtor can do in a day?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and you're and you're right. In fact, Rohan, when you first reached yeah. out to me, um, you yeah. know, I, we had talked a little bit about your your campaign and stuff. And unfortunately, I already had um, committed to a different one. Yeah. But what what <clears throat> we talked about and what caught my attention with your campaign is is that you de- included the follow up, you included the nurture mm. and stuff. Because as we spoke about right now, I'm still part time and I'm about to transition full time in the next couple months here. Mm. But my main issue now is because i'm balancing my other job which is title so i'm still in the real estate industry mm. um it's just i get so many leads in and i can't get to all of them at the same time you know and, and, I, and I know with with real estate you know people mm. want to know want to see their houses right then and there they're not going to wait for you to call them you know mm. so if i yeah. if i take more than a couple hours to reach out to them like you said they're going on zill they're going on real estate exactly. account, checking out mm. other websites and so by the time i can get to them you know, yeah, yes, I've gotten in touch with a couple, and I've been able to make contact with some. But mm. how many more am I missing out on because I'm exactly. not able to get on the phone with them or get someone like yourself or your team mm. to contact them? Yeah, ask them a little bit more about what they're looking for, how we can help, and be the best service that we can provide. So
1: the speed to lead is very important. Yeah, speed to 100% lead. agree. If you um, cross that five-minute mark, if you're not calling them within the five minutes, you lost them. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah so yeah. we usually call them within within like 1 minute 20 seconds that's awesome once the lead is in, in inside the crm that's a qualified lead after all that lead is filling that chatbot that lead is the chatbot is qualifying that lead even when you're sleeping
0: yeah that's that's a great business model
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we are qualifying them based on their are lender approved or not based on what's their requirement what's their budget and what's the timeline maybe 3 months or 6 months we never know obviously the right. lead won't convert tomorrow
0: right.
1: That that's a hot that that's a warm lead but someday it has to convert only when you are on the top of their mind only yes. when you are in front of them using the retargeting ads Yeah. you do whatever you want to do just to be in the top of your mind because whenever they're ready to convert they have to convert through you because yep. there are 2 million competitors you're having over there in the u.s
0: something i see on facebook a lot too because i'm part of different uh realtor like mastermind groups and like yeah. uh, you know networking groups i can't tell you how many agents will tell me that they you know they had a really good connection with the lead and of course they're newer agents and uh you know they said they weren't ready to buy but they're going to buy in like the next six months and they'd be hmm. in touch you know yeah. any any you know anyone experience in sales will know that i'll be in touch with you doesn't mean you let them call you back you you still <laughs> want to be on top of mind shape, or form even call them back even if it's three hmm. months You know. what's gonna happen is they're gonna forget about you and they're gonna call someone else when it comes time because why should they remember you you had one conversation for 10 15 minutes like exactly i'm not gonna remember that in six you know six months down the road so (laughs) yeah yeah so they end up losing the lead i've i've Mm -hmm. lost leads that way too i'm guilty of it too when i first started i Mm. have some close friends i bought homes with and they didn't use me and it's Mm. my fault for you know not staying top of mind. so i've been doing a much better job about that recently especially my social media presence. And yeah, we talked about I'm upping my YouTube channel game. So yeah. I'm nice going to uh,
1: ping the link. I, I'm going to pin, pin the, his link of link YouTube channel right now in the oh, uh, description you. of this YouTube video, of this Spotify video, or Spotify audio. You can see in the uh, description his channel's name and his link. Okay. Very cool. Appreciate that. <laughs> and um, usually, uh, yeah, whenever we are going to partner up soon, uh, Mauricio... Absolutely i'm going to run a reactivation campaign for you for all the lost leads so that you can book some appointments up okay before we that start sounds the excellent. campaign yeah so that so that you feel much better when yes. we are starting <laughs> because you have some contacts you're having some emails those leads are sleeping inside the database we can do something to reactivate them
0: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like, uh, my wife gets on my case because I have like, uh, I don't know, I I don't want to say OCD, but I guess it would be, I have, I have really bad anxiety when I, when I have uh, like, even if it's not leads, even it could be just like a task at work. If I feel like I'm not getting it complete, I get really stressed out. So like, if I have, you know, a hundred leads coming in a month and I haven't had a chance to call them, I stress out. And I'm like, I have to call them. Like, even if it's been a week, two weeks, three weeks, it's just, a personal thing inside I me mean, even if they're all junk phone numbers you know yeah it's just a, like it's like a checklist like i'm a checklist person right like when i sit down and make a checklist and i have to physically check mark things to feel a sense of accomplishment that's that's how i am so yeah when i you know when i'm not able to check that off or something intervenes like i mm. my, my hair gets grayer so oh <laughs> <laughs> just no um, <laughs> calling junk yeah. leads
1: is like almost a waste of time like
0: it is, it is, mm. but it's just you know, it's a thing inside me. I just gotta know, because yeah. you never know. You might have the one that did wait a month to hear from someone, and yeah, they answer it. once in a while. You know, it's very rare, like you said, but mm. it's just my 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 checklist mentality. I gotta,
1: gotta it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, how long do you sit for making those calls? Like at at a stretch, how long can you sit?
0: So right now it's a balance because I still do work a full-time job. So for the listeners uh, listening in, I worked in the events industry and then in March when COVID hit, I, you know, events stopped essentially. There was no more events, we got laid off. Um, So I had an active listing at the time. And so I had the title company reach out to me about my listing. I ended up paying it off with the owner, who's a really good guy. And um, the thing was I told myself, if I take another full-time job, it's gotta be real estate adjacent cause so I can eventually make that transition. Yeah. And so I took the title job, which I actually love because it's helped me learn a lot more about the title process and closing mm-hmm. processes. So I feel like I'm in a much better position information-wise than a lot of other realtors. Yeah. Um, because I know a lot more about what happens in the transaction, estoppel searches, lien searches, municipal lien searches. Mm. Um, All sorts of stuff there. So um, I lost track of the question. Sorry, Rohan. What was the question?
1: (laughs) What was the question? Even I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, The question was, how long uh, do you sit uh, for making those calls? Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. So, you know, I have to really work nine to five my title Mm. job. So typically if I get up early enough and I'm at my computer early enough, I'm trying to make some calls between like 8.30 till 9.00 which I don't mm. do much of because I don't want to bother too many people early in the morning. Yeah. The majority of my calls happen really after 5 p.m., um, okay. between 5 and 7, um, maybe up to 8, but I won't call anyone after 8 p.m. because I feel like it's too late and I don't yeah. want to, you know, pester people. Um, <laughs> so, mm. you know, I really have like a two to three hour window where I'm like trying to get as many calls as I can. And then, of course, the weekends, if I'm not showing properties, yeah. I'm making those calls Saturdays and Sundays too, a couple hours each day. Try not to work the whole weekend because... You know, I want I want some time to spend with my family, my dog, yeah, my, yeah. Wife, my daughter. Wow.
1: So You have a dog. That's awesome. I have a,
0: a huge dog. She's a great Pyrenees, awesome. and she's only she's less than a year old, and she's already like 70 pounds. So.
1: Oh my God!
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, when I'll be in Orlando, month.
1: like I want to see her definitely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she loves people. She loves people. Awesome. I'm gonna visit America in 2022. All the listeners, I'm from India, from Mumbai. The financial capital the financial hub of the south asia <laughs> yeah so i have my relatives in the new york city so oh, i'll cool. be visiting yeah very I'll, cool my mom's, sister. My mom's right. sister, maybe, sister
0: maybe we can coordinate because i have some family in uh in the like philadelphia area but it's been a while since mm. i've been to new york so mm. definitely like 15 that i went to new york last time okay
1: so golden so I'll be visiting the New York city, of course, and I'll also visit you because you are my client.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I have someone which I have partnered up in the Tampa as well. So okay. oh, you in Orlando one in Tampa, one in yeah. Houston. Uh, my, um, the recent episode, my first episode was with Javon Moses. He's okay. a wholesale, someone that I saw. yeah, he's in Houston, by the way. Uh, he's a wholesale real estate entrepreneur. Very cool. He's like doing like more than 13, 14 states simultaneously. Wow. That's impressive. Um, While he's in college, he's making $10,000 in real estate. Hey, graduate
0: college without any student loan debt. That's a a good thing to be able to say. Yeah,
1: exactly. Hmm. So um, coming uh, coming back to the leads, what are the major pain points that you see Uh, right now since you are a part-time agent? um, Yeah what are the pain points which you see in the future when you you'll become a full-time agent uh, may onwards may 2021 yeah
0: i mean honestly the pain points as a part-time and as a full-time i feel like are going to be the same just because mm. it's going to scale it's you know my my main pain point right now is time management right like i mm. if i get x amount of leads in a day i sometimes don't have time to make all those calls um like you said if i'm out showing properties and you know um researching houses or communities for a client like it's it's really hard to juggle all that in and um again I that think- was the appeal of your services you were saying that you'll do a lot of the the, work, the initial nurturing isa absolutely yeah. so isa is is key if you want to scale your business as an agent because at the mm. end of the day there's only so many calls you can make um so many you know um, appointments mm. you can book on your own and keep track of your calendar keep track of contracts that are currently under contract I'll uh, make sure those meet all their deadlines like inspection periods appraisals surveys you know estoppel searches all of that stuff mm. so you know if you want to set yourself up for success as an agent and you really want to scale your business you really have to have a system in place where, mm. where you have someone taking inbound calls you have someone setting up appointments exactly you know um and you have you just focus on doing the parts that you love and for me i love like the reason i did events is i love talking to people i love mm. being in front of them i love the, you know the social aspects and solving problems exactly you know, there can, i can mm-hmm. definitely assign someone else to do the stuff that i don't like you know what i mean like, i can just right. look at my calendar and see what needs to be done yeah and that works perfectly for me <laughs> you
1: know? exactly man I'll, I'll just fill your calendar with 12 to 15 appointments every month so that you yeah. just have to like focus on those appointments like i want to ask you this question what can yeah. make you a better closure that's doing prospecting or meeting more people
0: meeting more people for sure because prospecting you're not getting to the closing (laughs) you know what i mean like (laughs) you're just trying to get i mean you'll get you'll get some but yeah exactly yeah it's all about volume right like if you can get more volume you're going to get more experience faster at an exponential rate Exactly. not that you won't get experience doing it the slower way but you're going to get more experience in a bunch of little things that you don't necessarily need, you know. What I, mean? <laughs> I don't need experience on booking an appointment. I don't need yeah. experience on a filtering lead out. You yeah. Know,
1: like uh, taking calls. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's a painful process. So after yeah, taking man. so many calls, like uh, when the main time is, has come, like for showing the house, at that point yeah. you are you are so exhausted. But I have been like throughout this whole process, throughout the sales cycle. And right now, I have to do the closing oh. as well of course you have to do the closing so being a realtor you have to focus only on the closing of course
0: yeah yeah and and honestly like making the closing experience fun for the buyers too you know yeah someone's buying a home especially for the first time like i love making gift baskets like i love going to like total wine or one of these fancy stores and like coming up with a gift basket especially if i got to know the client a lot now sometimes i don't sometimes i I forget to get like some personal information Mm. um like what they like but like a lot of times i'm able to and Honestly, if I don't, like the day before closing, I'll just ask, hey, do you drink? (laughs) Or like, you know, (laughs) what's your wine of choice? Or if not, like you want something else you like, Uh, you know, worst case scenario, at least like a gift card and a card. But usually I like making some like nice looking baskets. I think you saw one or two on my Instagram that were pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As you well. know make them happy and excited to be moving in not like oh man i just spent all this money you know, <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you want them excited yeah. and not having buyer's remorse because if they're happy with their purchase mm. and they like where they move sorry my dog's barking um <laughs> yeah then you know then they're gonna re- refer you other clients and stuff to say hey this exactly. person did great. Well, they did a great service and uh you should use them
1: i've seen of you i've seen photos of you on instagram all your clients are so so happy like Those are very impressive photographs. And uh, please do follow Mauricio on Instagram.
0: Thank you. It's Mr. Realty in Orlando, MR period, Realty in Orlando.
1: Appreciate that. He keeps on posting videos like blogs. (laughs) On the very beginning, yeah. I got to get back on that. I've been slacking on that part. You should. You should, man. Like your camera presence is really good. Thank you. Thank you. Even I have started some blogging recently. (laughs) <laughs> oh, very cool. Yo, yeah. that's why I'm
0: trying to do more YouTube too because I like mm. I like the long form videos and, uh, you know, I want to do more educational stuff that's, you know, yeah. free that like kind of like what you're doing, you know what I mean? Like, mm. like have a, a whole, teach people how the whole home buying process works. Yeah. Tell them how they can sell a home on their own even if they don't want to use a realtor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But a lot of times, even after seeing that, people don't want the hassle of it still. Yeah. Right? They want to make sure they're doing it right and they'll still end up using you. But like you said, provide the value up front. Exactly. Otherwise, you just feel always look like a money grubbing used car salesman. Sales no offense money. to the good used car salesmen <laughs> out there, but <laughs> there's not a whole lot yeah. of yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: so, according to you, one last question. Yes. You, what's the future of real estate by the end of twenty thirty? Twenty thirty. Yeah. So uh, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know yeah. if you know him or same not. Year, but, same yeah. Uh, same yeah. Yeah, I have so be, been could've... following him so like, since like 2018, 2017.
0: Okay, so when you go to New York, let's plan for us both to go meet him because I want to go yeah, meet him. New Jersey, track... right? I'm sorry? He's
1: in New Jersey.
0: Yeah, well, I I think he's got an office in New York too. So I work Los like five like
1: with Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, Media. Yeah, so
0: I believe what he says, man. I think I think Zillow is going to be a big player and they're going to have a lot of realtors on salary, I think. Um commissions are going to get smaller because um our clients are becoming more educated the technology and tools they have to question some of these fees and um some of the prices for things and they're going to start negotiating more as as you're already kind of seeing which i don't think is actually a bad thing uh you know i think the realtors that make it are the ones that really have a strong social presence that really Mm. care about their community and that really um you know just put their clients first but like if they don't have a social presence even if they do all that they're not going to last like mm. you got to really have a social presence, like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, mm. you gotta really, you know, really put your clients first. You know, yes, we have to get paid for our work. We need to make a living too, mm. but you need yeah. to at least really serve your clients. I can't tell you how many realtors I hear say they're not going to show their their buyer a house because it's only paying a 2% commission. Mm. Yeah, that, fresh, that infuriates me because at the end of the day, that's not your business. You know, yes, you need to get paid and they should, the seller should be paying you, but mm. If your client wants to see the house, you are obligated as a fiduciary responsibility to show them that house. Like, yeah, that to me frustrates me. But to educate that's, a them. Other, that's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> to educate them upfront about the whole process.
0: Yeah. And so what I've been doing mm. with most of my clients is a lot of people don't know how buyers agents get paid. And so we're, we're trying to tell them because there was actually a, a lawsuit filed with the Department of Justice recently um, because a lot of buyers agents will say that, oh, you know, you don't pay anything for me to represent you. It's oh. it's kind of not true, and and hmm. you can. So basically, when can I say this really quick for your? Yeah, for your yeah, sure, agreement. sure. Go ahead. When when they're when a, when a realtor signs a listing agreement with someone who wants to sell their home, they agree to a certain percentage. Usually, most cases on average, it's five to six percent. So they agree hmm. whatever the sales price is, they're gonna get paid that much. They will split that normally in half, and they'll hmm. offer if it's five percent, two and a half to whoever brings them a buyer, or three percent to whoever brings them a buyer. Um, hmm. So you are still paying to be represented by a buyer's realtor but it's already Mm -hmm. put into the fees of the home sale price Um, yeah so just be aware of that yes you're not technically paying because it's being financed into your loan but you you are still technically paying so (laughs) exactly get that off my chest
1: (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you were talking about this book right Um, Millionaire Real Estate Agent MREA by Gary Keller You you have got your copy I know I have a copy. Uh, yeah.
0: I don't know if it's with me right now, but yeah, that's a book that I've skimmed. But yeah, that book. Um, actually, when I was first uh, became a realtor, that everyone gets recommended to read. That with yeah, with you know, a good reason. It it really breaks down the systems in place that hmm. an agent should have if they really want to scale their business beyond just themselves. Exactly. You know, and um, you know, that's the eventual goal, right? I my long term goal is to still be a realtor but I really want to do more like a house flipping and um, like rentals and things like that mm-hmm. um, and honestly I don't want to work full time i rather like in 10 years from now have you know enough residual like rental management to be working you know on occasion but really spend more time with my family mm-hmm. and pursue some other projects that I maybe I'll talk about in the
1: future we'll,
0: we'll keep it hush <laughs> yeah. hush for now
1: definitely um, and you're gonna come back definitely on some oh, other oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely you again yeah thank you so you are you are the, you are there in the first couple of episodes. I really appreciate to be on my podcast. Like this is the start of my podcast, and when we'll be yeah. having 25, 35, 45 episodes, definitely we are gonna miss you throughout the whole season. We want you back <laughs> ten times more. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: I'll be yeah. happy to be on again. I enjoyed it a lot, and we, we I think we had a lot of fun.
1: Same here, man.
0: So and hopefully, I know the viewers hopefully learned something too. So
1: <laughs> everyone learned, even I learned a lot from you. Definitely. Well, So it was great having you on the show and definitely let's meet soon. Let's partner up soon. And all the people who want to sell their house, who want to list their house or they're looking to buy a house in Orlando, they can contact him. I'm leaving his Instagram profile over here uh, in the description. And all the realtors who are looking forward to automate their whole prospecting and they need to have the systems in place since Gary Keller rightly said that all the big agents, all the big teams, they pay ISAs. Yeah. That's that's what it is. There are, there are many models mentioned in that book. One model is the ISA model and other is ISA plus virtual assistant model. Yeah. You need to have both of them because if you want to become big, you need to have ISAs and virtual assistants with you or a proper yeah. system. So you can inquire about those services. And I'm leaving my... Um, youtube channel of course this is on my youtube channel you can <laughs> you can comment down below or you can definitely get in touch with me on instagram so have a great day guys have a great day mauricio was thank you day, rohan you. Thank a great you meeting
0: so you much. yeah absolutely thank you so much Bye.